Amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> Let me welcome you again to Centennial Church. My name is Ross. I see a lot of new faces among us and a special welcome to you this morning. Also, a special welcome to our kids. Can you give it up for our kids? <clears throat> this, is a, this is a special morning uh, this week as well as next Sunday. We've invited our kids to be with us. We're giving our teachers a little respite and also uh, wanting our kids to see the importance and to model for our kids what big church is like. So, uh, we believe it is important uh, for kids to see mom and dad worship, to see neighbors and friends and adoptive grandparents all uh, in here together, singing, praising the Lord, uh, partaking of the Lord's table, which we'll do later in our service. And so, kids, we're glad you're here. Let me say this. Uh, let me put the parents at rest, okay? Uh, it's going to be okay. All right? Don't worry. There might be some wiggles. Uh, just relax, okay? I'm relaxed. It's not going to bother me. Don't worry about it. If you need to get up and go to the back, there is a family room uh, right over here behind that window if you need to go to the family room. So just everybody take a deep breath and exhale and relax. Kids, it's going to be okay. If you need the little uh, sermon note sheet, kids, there's some back in the back, right back there in front of the sound booth, in front of the candles, if you still need to go back there and get one. And again, let me say that you have to be under 18 to get those, Okay. All right. Hey, again, welcome. Uh, I do see a lot of visitors and guests among us. A special welcome to you. Hopefully, uh, you'll, uh, you'll download our CC app or in front of you in the seats, there's a little uh, connection card. And we would love, there's a place on there for prayer requests. We would love to pray with you. We would love to pray for you. And also, uh, after the sermon this morning, we, uh, we always have stations in the back. Some of our prayer people will be back in the back of the sanctuary. And we would love, if there's a burden you have this morning, if there's something you just want prayer for, um, come to the back uh, as we come forward for communion. We'd be happy uh, to pray with you. Um, we will celebrate the Lord's table at the uh, end of the sermon this morning. And I just want to tell our guests, you are invited to come and join us. You don't need to be a member of Centennial Church to partake of the Lord's table. Um, but we do require that you're a believer in Christ. So if you're a believer, you've made a profession of faith, we invite you to come and celebrate um, at the Lord's table this morning, okay? Hey, uh, I wasn't here with you last week, and that's because I was with family in Colorado for the occasion of my uh, uncle's death. And as you know, as often happens in the time of loss, uh, as the family gathers, one thing that, that I've found is typical is that old photographs come out. And uh, as we were gathered together as a, as a family, one of my cousins was scanning photos that were uh, brought out to put onto the computer to save electronically. And man, as we looked at some of these photos, it just brought back a flood of memories looking at those pictures. One of the things that uh, me and my cousins used to do uh, when we gathered at my grandma and grandpa BB's house, we would out on the back porch, we would uh, put on shows and plays and concerts for the grandparents and the aunts and uncles. And some of these photos were of those times. And there was this one photo of my cousin who's uh, my age and he had his saxophone and he was, he was doing his uh, piece. There was another uh, photograph of my brother sitting on the porch, and he had these big, huge, thick glasses on, and he was sitting right next to this thing that, uh, that uh, amplified music, 
You may know, know it as a stereo. We called it a boombox or a ghetto blaster. Did anybody have a ghetto blaster? We had one, and there's pictures to prove it. So my brother was the DJ there sitting next to uh, the ghetto blaster playing the part of the DJ, the DJ. There were also family photos, and as I looked at those family photos, I was reminded, I remember that. I re remember the occasion of taking those photographs and being out in the front of uh, Grandma and Grandpa's house, and we're doing all different sides of the family, all that. I was, I was there. I remember those shots. I remember that day, and these memories came flooding back to me. And photographs do that. Pictures do that. They preserve history, and they flood back memories to us. And for these two weeks, this week and next week, we're going to take a look at some pictures. Some pictures that Jesus has given us to fuel our memories and even to fuel our emotions and our love. We're going to look at pictures. And those pictures, if you haven't guessed by now, by the look at the slide, those pictures are baptism and the Lord's Supper or baptism and communion which are pictures, which are tangible displays of the gospel, of the good news, what Jesus has done for us. And they're important. And part of my goal this two weeks is to stress their importance in our lives and in the life of our church family. So uh, as Christians, we have always been known as people of the book. Christians have always been people of the book, and so we study God's Word, and it's words. But one of the beautiful things is that in God's Word itself, God has actually also given us pictures to explain that Word and to help us be reminded of that Word. So this uh, series, this two-week series today, we're going to look at baptism, and next week we'll consider the Lord's table. Our challenge here this morning, the challenge that I have is that being a non-denominational church, interdenominational church, we have folks of all different traditions and backgrounds. So this, as we come to these two topics this week, I have a challenge because I have to navigate all of our different backgrounds and perspectives on these two issues that have a long history and some controversy. So some among us this morning, some of us will, as you listen to these two messages, you're going to think, you're not going far enough with this. This is highly important. This is something that my church tradition did every week, and we didn't just see it as a, a reminder of what Jesus did, but we actually saw it as something more, that Jesus was present in the elements. If you, have a, if you, come, back, if you come from a Catholic or a Lutheran perspective, you may think that I'm not going too far. Some of you come from perspectives, and, and uh, you're not very familiar with baptism or communion. They have been uh, somewhat relegated or uh, downgraded in their practice. Some of you are going to think uh, I'm not going far enough. Some of you are going to think I'm going too far. So I am prepared these two weeks to get tomatoes thrown at me from both sides of the aisle, okay, as we, and so our challenge as an independent, non-denominational church is that there's no higher court of authority telling us what to practice at Centennial Church and how our history uh, guides our practice of these 
uh, ordinances or sacraments. So we're navigating here tough waters. So I pray that you will be patient with me. And if nothing else, I, I see Jason's already yawning here. I've lost him. Just kidding. Sorry, Jason. Uh, we're not very traditional around here. Uh, I hope that if nothing else, these messages will drive you back to the scriptures. And you can scratch your head and be like, you know what, I I haven't really thought about this that much. I don't know really what I believe about these things. And if you leave here with questions, hey, that's great. What I hope you wouldn't leave here is frustrated. And if you have frustrations, if you have deep questions, I hope that you will talk to me or one of our elders or uh, one of our staff uh, people and talk more about these things. These are things that not all Christians agree on. There are different traditions that are. So we're going to do our best as this non-denom church to try to look into the scriptures and consult history and tradition to see what other traditions have practiced to come to the best understanding and practice we can of these ordinances or sacraments. Okay? Got it? So here we go. Here we go. The other thing, uh, sorry, I forgot one thing. The other thing that uh, we just have to admit this morning is that because we're in this non-denom setting, I want you to just look closely around here and notice that in our very own building, okay, we do not have a baptistry up here. There's nothing behind that wall. There's nothing that pops up from the floor here. Uh, by which we can immerse or dunk people in water to be baptized. That should tell you something about the folks that designed this building a little bit about their emphasis on baptism. Now, I don't mean that as a slam, because I grew up in the same kind of tradition, the same kind of non-denom tradition, and we didn't have a baptistry up front. We also didn't celebrate communion weekly. And as, as this church began, right here, this, this building was built in 2003, you'll notice no baptistry. As, this, as the church began, as it first formed, the church's practice in our history was to not take the Lord's Supper in the gathered time on Sunday mornings. The thought was, let's practice communion in home groups, in small groups, but let's not do it in the big gathering because that might make visitors or guests or those uh, skeptical or seekers, that might make them feel uncomfortable. I think that's a misguided approach, and so if you've been around here for a few years, you notice that we are taking communion more and more regularly. And in fact, this fall, as we begin our, our fall series, we will attempt to take communion 10 weeks in a row. Some of you are saying amen, and some of you are like, really? What, are you Catholic? Let's walk the line together, okay? So just in my own history and the history of this church, that's kind of where we're coming from. Uh, And so my hope, my hope in this series, uh, specifically this morning, is that if you have not been baptized... You will get baptized. You will be baptized. We are having a baptism celebration on September the 9th. So in my encouragement uh, in, these, in this message this morning is to listen and to understand and perhaps to encourage you to take that step of baptism by immersion when we celebrate it in just a, a month or so. Okay? Uh, 
open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. Are you hanging with me, kids? I hear a big amen out there. Matthew chapter 28. Thank you, Jason. We're going to look at verses 16 through 20, and I'm going to try to uh, make four points this morning instead of the traditional three. We've got the kids in here, and they have they are much smarter and better attention spans than us, so we're going to try four points, okay? Read along with me, uh, Matthew chapter 28. This is called the Great Commission, beginning in verse 16. Follow along with me. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The word of the Lord. The Great Commission. First point uh, from this passage, this very popular, very important passage that Jesus leaves his disciples, the charge he leaves with them as he ascends to go back to heaven to the Father, this great commission. The first point here is that baptism is important. Duh. You know, you've probably already gotten that from what I've already said, but baptism is important. And I get that from this very important passage. Now, all the scripture is inspired. All the scripture is from God. But as, as a church and, as, and throughout church history, this is kind of the marching orders that we've been given as to what we're, be, we're to be about as the church. And notice, he doesn't just say, go and make disciples and teach them everything that I've taught you. But he says, go and make disciples. And then there's two participles that follow that main verb, make disciples. Those participles, those descriptors are baptizing them and teaching them baptizing them and teaching them. Baptism is right there in the heart of discipleship. If we're to make disciples, we can't make disciples without baptizing people, and we can't be a disciple without obeying Jesus in this command to be baptized. It's right there in these most critical verses, these, these key marching orders of the church. And in a non-denom church, in a Bible church tradition, what we've always said is that, like I said earlier, we're people of the book. We're people of the book. And we would never say to someone that you can accept Jesus, follow Jesus, invite Jesus into your heart, whatever language you want to use, but not be taught. We'd be like, no way. Part of following Jesus, part of being a disciple is being taught. That's what it says. Teaching them, and not just teaching them knowledge, but teaching them to obey it, right? It's not just you have the knowledge, but that you obey the teaching that you're given. We would never say teaching is unimportant in the life of a Christian. Well, how could anyone say or act then from the same passage that baptism is unimportant or not essential. It's right there in the same passage. That is why we call baptism and the Lord's Supper ordinances or sacraments, depending upon your tradition. The word ordinance means that this is, these are one of the two things that Jesus has ordained, that he's commanded, that he's set apart. 
And sacrament has that same idea of sacred, set apart, unique pictures. And there's only two of them. Now, I thought this, and we'll go ahead and do a little contest here. Take out your phones, moms and dads. You may already be playing Fortnite on them or something, but take out your phones and go, or you have a little contest here, go to your photos on your phone. And I, I looked at mine this week and I thought, I wonder how many photos, how many pictures I have on my phone. Anybody want to take a guess? T- two? <laughs> that would have been good. I should have done that, Jonathan. I have 2,647. Anybody beat that? What do we got? Just holler it out. 6,000. Anybody got more than 6,000? Shannon, what do you got? 34,000? How many gigs do you have on that thing? Is that all in the cloud? Okay. Can anyone beat 34,000? Shannon, you can't win this, okay? Because who's, who's, who's got more than 6,000? What do you got, Jaime? Anybody beat 8,900 something? Yes, ma'am. What's your name? All right, I'm going to say you're the winner, okay? <laughs> We're not going to. This is called the New City Catechism. It's what uh, Rick read from earlier in our service. It's a great little tool for you and your family to learn some of the truths of the Christian faith. Uh, New City Catechism. You can also. Uh, Sorry for the advertisement here. You can also download it as an app for free, okay? So those of you that didn't win, you can still go to the app and download it for free. free. New City Catechism, really encourage you and your family uh, to download that and to begin using it. We're using it in our home. What's the point? We're an image-based society. I mean, now we we all have cameras on our phones, and so we've got 2,600 photographs or 34,000, or some of us are more image-based than others. But Jesus has given us two images, two pictures, and that should say something, that they're only two, that they are his favorites. Anybody have favorites on your uh, photo album app there? I have favorites. Guess how many favorites I have? 61. Jesus only gives us two favorites, and they are this baptism and the Lord's Supper, and they are important. How important? We'll have to walk through that, okay? But they are important. That's point number one. Point number two, baptism is a confession of faith. Or you might say baptism is a statement of faith. Uh, You see specifically here in Matthew chapter 28 that he he says, uh, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. When you go into the waters of baptism, you are making a statement or a confession of faith that you believe in Jesus, that you believe in the Father, that you believe in the Holy Spirit. So in the first couple centuries of church history, as they would baptize people in the early church, they would go into the waters of baptism and they would say these creeds, much like the catechism that I just um, handed out back. I'm sorry, I forgot your name. Uh, But the catechism or confessions like the Apostles' Creed, you would go into the waters of baptism and you would make this profession of faith. You would repeat this creed of what you believe. I believe in God the Father Almighty. I believe in the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the giver of life. So when you go into the waters, you are not just, just doing a religious act, but you are stating 
a belief of your heart. I believe in God the Father. I believe in God the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. It is a, it is a statement or a confession of faith. Flip with me to Romans chapter 6. This should be on the screen too. But Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 5. And look how Paul describes uh, here what the picture of baptism. Romans 6, 3 through 5. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Now, there's a, that's a, a lot to consider right there. But let me tell you the, the big idea of it is that when you are baptized, and the reason we baptize by immersion or by dunking, we might say crassly, is because it is a picture of the gospel. And Paul says here, when you're baptized, you, you are picturing what Jesus has done for you. You have gone down into the water. You have been buried, okay? So you go underwater. That's a picture of you being buried with Jesus. And the water symbolizing washing, you come up out of the water washed and what? Raised to new life. That type of immersion, that type of baptism is a picture. It's a statement of faith and a picture of what Jesus has done for us. And when we get baptized, we are confessing that good news. If I believe that Jesus died, was buried. Proof that he died was that he was buried and that he was raised to new life three days later. And just as Jesus went in the ground, was buried, and was resurrected, our bodies... Well, one day, if Jesus doesn't come back first, our bodies one day will go in the ground to then one day at Jesus' return be resurrected to new life. Baptism is a statement of faith that we believe that. It is a reminder for those watching. It is a reminder for those that are being baptized of what we believe. Okay? Okay? You might want to look up, I won't take, I won't time to, to take us there, but 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4. Paul writes here about, I want to remind you of the gospel. And then what does he say the gospel is? The gospel is that Jesus died according to the scriptures. Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures that, and that he was raised for our justification. Okay? So, baptism, when we go into the waters of baptism, we are picturing this death and resurrection that we are identifying with Christ and what he has done. It is a picture of our statement of faith. It is also, you may not have thought about this as much, but it is, it is also an affirmation of the church to that person's faith. Okay, so when we baptize someone, we've interviewed them, we've counseled them, and they are not only saying, hey, I believe in Jesus, but as a church family and as a leader of church, leadership of church, we are giving affirmation that they do believe in Jesus. We are affirming their faith as they affirm our faith as a body. Make sense? Baptism is a confession of faith. Thirdly, baptism is a sign of identification. This is a bit repetitive here, but it is a sign that we have identified 
with Jesus, okay? Flip with me to Acts chapter 2, and look what happens as these first believers believe and then become a part of the church. Peter has been preaching in Acts chapter 2. We've looked at this uh, in previous semesters, but look beginning in verse 38. Peter says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now look what Peter has done there. He has merged repentance or faith with baptism. He sees it as one package. You believe and you're baptized. They may not happen simultaneously, but they go together, repentance and baptism. Verse 39, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And look at verse uh, 41. He, he gives this sermon, and there verse 40, beginning of verse 41, we see their, their response. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Now, underline, if you underline in your Bible, underline received and baptized and added. This seems to be the normative pattern for belief and baptism and admittance into the church body. What happened? They heard the gospel. They received the word that Peter preached. They embraced it. And then what happened next? They were baptized. And then what? They were added to this family. They were added to the church. And then what happened? In verse 42, we see that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayers. So they didn't devote themselves before they received the word. They didn't get baptized after they devoted themselves to the body, but they were believers, they were baptized, and then they devoted themselves to these four things, the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of the bread, which most commentators here say is the Lord's Supper, the breaking of bread. It's shorthand for the Lord's Supper. They're the breaking of bread and prayers. And so what, what I want to say to you this morning is that seems to be the normative pattern of faith and then baptism and then commitment to the church family. Right there, those verbs. Received, baptized, added, devoted. Okay? Another way, uh, and I read this this week and I thought it was helpful uh, as we think about baptism in contrast with communion, which we'll talk about next week. But uh, read this, it says, baptism is the one becoming part of the many, and communion is the many being reminded of their oneness. Isn't that good? As we baptize one, we are bringing them in to the many. And as we remember communion, as we partake of communion in a few minutes, it's the many of us being reminded of our oneness. One bread, one cup, one body. We're one family. 
Those of you that uh, will be inducted into the Hall of Fame at some point in your life, and I see many of you that will probably be inducted in, just kidding. But if you've ever watched someone be inducted into the Hall of Fame, what happens? They get a jacket, or I think they get a ring, right? They get this Hall of Fame ring. And what is that ring? That ring is a symbol that they have become a part of this honored group. You win the Masters, what do you get? The green jacket, right? The green jacket is a sign, it's a symbol. It shows that you're the winner. Well, the God of the universe has invited us into his family and the jacket that he has given us, the sign, the ring that he has given us is this thing called baptism. It's the sign that shows our church family, that shows the world that we belong to Jesus. 11 years ago, I got married, and I wear this ring to show that I belong to Elizabeth. Baptism is a believer saying, I belong to Jesus. Now, I don't wear my baptism around. I don't bring water buckets with me and continually get baptized. It's a one-time initiation ceremony, whereas communion is repeated over and over, okay? But baptism is the sign, it's the identification, it's the mark that a believer is now in the community of faith. One more point, okay? One more point, and that point is finally, baptism is not a saving grace, but a strengthening grace. Some people are going to say, you're not going far enough. You know, what I was taught is that baptism takes away original sin, and therefore we should do it to babies. Or I was brought up that if you weren't baptized, you were not saved. Baptism was essential for salvation. We don't believe that here at Centennial Church. We believe that baptism is very important. And with one exception, the thief on the cross, it seems to be the normative pattern that every believer is baptized in the New Testament. But we don't think it is something that merits you or earns you salvation, okay? But we believe it is very important. And it is not a, while it is not a saving grace, it is a strengthening grace. And it's a strengthening grace for the person who is baptized, and it's also a strengthening grace for those who witness it. Uh, If you were here on Easter when we baptized five or six people, you know that that was a grace of God that, that fills your heart with gratitude that there's more people in our church family and that God has worked in them and brought them to faith. And it also serves as a reminder for you of, oh yeah, I was baptized too. God, I belong to you. You have washed me clean. It is a strengthening grace, not only as you participate in baptism, but as you watch baptism, you are strengthened as well. It's kind of like moms and dads, when you go to a wedding and you watch two people get married and it's, it's somewhat of a reminder of your own vows, a strengthening of, oh yeah, I did this too. We covenanted together and baptism strengthens us in that covenant fellowship, as does the Lord's table. Baptism is not optional. 
baptism is not just a thing of, hey, you know, maybe I'll get around to it someday. Now, there is an appropriate time to do it, and there are inappropriate times to do it. Uh, if your kids or if you don't yet understand the gospel, you cannot articulate the gospel. If your kids don't yet have a, a, a fair grasp of what salvation means and what Jesus has done in his death and resurrection, then it might need to be some time to wait, just as it would be for communion. But if you have come to faith in Jesus, if you have put your faith in him and you have not been baptized, let me ask you this morning, why not? Why not? It is the first step of discipleship is part of obedience and it is a wonderful celebration and sign that the God of the universe has said, you're on my team, you're in my family and take upon you this sign that says you belong to me. So I want to challenge you this morning in obedience to the scriptures and obedience to the example and the teaching of Jesus. If you have not been baptized or your children have not been baptized and they're, they're ready to do that, to seriously consider taking a step, maybe it's even as I said in this next month when we have a baptism celebration, to go into the waters of baptism and declare your faith, declare your identity with Jesus and your identity with his church. What do we do from here? If you want to talk more about this, again, talk to any of our elders. Come talk to me afterwards. Talk to your kids about it, uh, and we can meet with you over the coming weeks. If you want more information, we on our website, centennialchurch.com backslash baptism. There's more information on there. There's more teaching on there. And I would love nothing more than to sit down with you or sit down with someone in your family and, and talk more about this, answer any questions or, or uh, help dispel any fog that you might have or that I might have even created this morning, okay? Would you bow your head with me? Father God, so amazing that you would not only forgive us our sins through Jesus, but that you would make us your sons and daughters by his sacrifice, by his blood. Lord, we want to be obedient to you, and I pray, Lord, that any who are at that point in their life when they have not seriously uh, considered this commandment, this ordinance before, that you would move in their hearts to study their Bibles diligently, to ask their questions and to follow Jesus in obedience and baptism. God, we thank you so much for your grace that has reached down and saved us from our sin, made us righteous, and called us family. We celebrate that this morning. In the name of Jesus.